This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a weekly show where we learn what it means to rise above the human condition. We hope the conversation today is just what you need for the week ahead. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Great to have you with us. It is a beautiful Monday morning here in Southern California. A little warm, as I've been uh, telling you. Normally, it heats up hot for a few days, and then it goes away. But we, like the rest of the country, I think, um, you know, we're in this sustained heat thing that's been going on. So we're definitely not to the level of Phoenix, right, where you would be you know, up 110, 115, that sort of a thing. But we are in the 90s. And I think we're going to be in the 90s, sometimes maybe even high 90s uh, for the bulk of this week. So it's warm, my friends. But I'm not complaining. Um, I have a Jeep, the top's off, and um, it's wonderful. But welcome back to the show. Um, what else? Let's see, there's uh, uh, fostering updates. So we're going on like, what, the third week, third or fourth week of having um, the the new little girl in our house. Great experience. Um, so glad we pulled the trigger and decided to do this. It's work. Don't get me wrong. Um, when you are almost empty nesters and then you plug a five-year-old back into your life, things are going to change a little bit. And so um, we've had a lot of fun. Um I am still working on Tammy to join me on the podcast for either a few episodes or maybe an ongoing kind of uh, uh, episode thing where she jumps in once a month or or whatever. We haven't really worked out all the details, but I would really love to get her back on the podcast so that we can kind of talk through this journey uh, that we're going on. So look for that in the future, but let's dive in today. So the minute of transparency I'm just going to call on death's doorstep. So my question for you is, have you ever thought you were about to die? Maybe it was a close call in a car. Maybe you got too close to the edge of a cliff. Uh, maybe you got a cancer diagnosis and you Im were immediately faced with that question about your future. Or even more intense, have you ever had a near-death experience, right? An experience while on the operating table or one of those things where you basically see your life flash before your eyes, or maybe you saw a dead loved one or something like that, and it looked like an angel. I don't know. But these are all very real experiences that people say that they have when they get that close to dying. And we have documented accounts from thousands of people who have had these types of experiences. Now, I've had many close calls, uh, especially in vehicles, accidents, things like that. Um, and I've done some pretty extreme sports that kind of push me to the edge where you're basically taking your life into your hands. Um, but nowhere near the level of having a near-death experience. However, I know people who are in situations very similar to that. My brother is one of them. So when my brother and I were young, our parents took us on a family outing to the beach. My brother and I were looking for something to do. We were bored. And eventually we found an area where erosion had created a large shelf of sand. 
And we realized that if we started digging into the shelf near the bottom, we could create a pretty cool cave. So we dug and we dug and we dug until we could literally fit one person almost entirely within the cave. So my brother was laying on his stomach at the back of the cave, digging away and pulling out, you know, scooping out large handfuls of sand to, in my direction. Then I was grabbing it and taking it the rest of the way out of the, out of the cave when it happened. The whole hill gave away and collapsed on top of my brother. I just stood there in shock. All I could see were the tips of his toes sticking out from a massive pile of sand. I immediately yelled for help and I started to dig, but it was futile. It, I was so small and I just wasn't making good progress. It was too little, not fast enough. At some point, adults started to arrive and a large male grabbed onto my brother's feet and literally yanked him out from under the sand. As he came out, he was gagging, sputtering, yanking sand away from his eyes and out of his mouth. But after a few minutes, he seemed pretty good. He was able to get in the water, get all the sand off of him. All in all, it was a very scary experience for everyone involved, but especially my brother. Then there was my friend in college. He was on the way to school one morning. The sun was just coming up over the horizon, making it really hard to see in certain directions. He pulled up to what he thought was a four-way stop and proceeded into the intersection, only to find out that the cross traffic did not have a stop sign. A loaded gravel truck entering the intersection at probably 55 miles an hour hit him at full speed. Needless to say, he should have been killed instantly, but my friend survived. His injuries were severe and his recovery was long and painful. But he got through it. He finished school and he's now a pilot for a commercial airline. And finally, there's my sister's friend, a guy that she went to school with in high school. His family had moved to the U.S. from Yugoslavia, and I just remember how cool he was. He had the GQ hair. He wore all the right brands. He had necklaces that just screamed, look at me. He was the life of the party, and everyone wanted to be around him. By the way, this has nothing to do with the story. That's just how I remember him. At some point after high school, I think he was probably working in the summer or maybe it was like his first year of college, but he was mowing lawns with a large industrial-sized riding lawnmower. You know the type, the mowers that go 30 miles an hour and can knock down an entire field of grass in a very short amount of time. The kind that you scoff at as you slowly push your small gas-powered mower around your front lawn. Well, he was mowing a large grassy area that was on a hill. And at some point, the angle of the hill became too great, and the mower decided to roll over. Now, typically, you would just jump off and let it roll, but because it was so large and he was kind of stuck in the seat, um, he was not able to jump free of the machine in time. So it rolled over on him as it tumbled down the hill. Similar to my college friend, he really should have died. His head had been crushed by the machine, and it required numerous surgeries and reconstructive procedures in order to keep him alive. And that was just after the accident. I don't even know how long the recovery process lasted for him. Today, he runs a successful financial business in Arkansas. So there you go. Three stories about people who came a stone's throw away from the other side. And those were just stories that came to the top of my mind. I could have thrown in my wife's story, how she woke up in the middle of the night in time to warn her family that something was wrong. Sure enough, it was a tornado that hit their home 
And when all was said and done, there was only one wall left standing, the wall that they were huddled next to. Or maybe I could have recounted stories of people in my life who have attempted suicide. Thankfully, many of them were unsuccessful and went on to live impactful lives, lives that could have been cut short in the blink of an eye. The point is, life is short, and it can be very fragile, but it's what comes next that makes it a hot topic. What happens when you cross over? Is there life after death? And if so, what is it like? Well, that's a loaded question, one that is answered very differently depending on who you're talking to. The afterlife is often dictated by one's spiritual or religious beliefs, right? So for me, as a Christian, um, I grew up with Christian beliefs, right, that dictated what happens when I die. And in the Christian tradition, it's very obvious, right? There's two options. You have heaven and you have hell. And the topic I wanted to address today is the latter. I wanted to do a quick episode on hell, what it is, what it isn't, and the role it plays in the life of a Christian. So today's topic, transcending hell. Our three sections today are going to be a little interesting. Section one, what the hell? Section two, hella good. And section three, hell no. Number one, what the hell? In the past, we've spent a lot of time on this thing called the big three questions, right? The, the three questions I've, I've proposed that every one of us is seeking to answer in our lifetime. Question one, where did we come from? Question two, why are we here? And question three, where do we go when we die? Question one is a question of origin. Question two is a question of purpose. And question three is a question of destination. Now, Transcend Human believes that these three questions apply to all of us. It doesn't matter who you are, what gender, race, ethnicity, religious persuasion, social class, or socioeconomic level. The belief is that we are all trying to find answers to these three questions, and that until we do, we live with limited capacity. We're kind of handicapped on some level, unable to live our full life that we're capable of living. Now, we don't die if we don't have the answers, right? But we just kind of float through life in reactionary mode, reacting to everything that comes our way. It isn't until we have answers to the big three questions that we can start living proactively, right? Once we've defined our purpose, we can start making better decisions. We're able to plan for the future, set goals based on the fulfillment of our purpose. Again, this is for everyone. It's not unique to Christianity. A person living oblivious to the big three questions will completely change when they find things like Buddhism, Taoism, Confucianism, Islam, Judaism, etc. It doesn't really matter because each of these spiritual paths provides answers to the big three questions. So based on those answers, the person new to the path will move from wandering to traveling. What's the difference, you ask? Well, when we don't have answers to the big three questions, we are wandering, right? When we wander, we walk in a variety of directions, taking in whatever comes our way, reacting to the environment that we encounter. We experience a lot of things, but we're never really sure if we're making progress or not. When we have the answers to the big three questions, we are traveling. Traveling is completely different because there is a destination. We know exactly where we're going 
and we can decide how we get there, right? You can take the fastest route, which is typically a straight line, or we can choose a more scenic route. But either way, we have a goal, we have a destination. Now, this might sound like a bunch of psychology mumbo jumbo, but believe me, I, I believe this is true of every single person and that it's one of the most important things that each of us will do in our lifetimes. Sure, we have big milestones to walk through, right? We crawl, we learn to walk, we learn to ride a bike, graduate from high school, get married, have kids, all that good stuff. But somewhere in there, we start asking the big three questions. And until we answer those questions, we're just wandering through life. Maybe it'll help if I explain it this way. Think about the culture that we live in here in the U.S., right? And many of the things that people do. In this country, as well as probably many around the world, we have the following, right? We have an educational system, which at first is required. You have to go. It's mandatory. But at some point, it ceases to be mandatory, and it's up to us what we do next. This is part of question two, finding our purpose. Many of us answer question two by deciding what we want to do for a living. Next, think about the music industry. Music is an excellent way for people to work out the big three questions. Think about songs that you've heard over the years. A, a perfect example is Imagine by John Lennon. But think of the thousands of songs out there that ask similar questions about our existence, about our purpose, and about our future. And just like music, we have fine art, books, television, movies. We can see the same themes woven throughout these art forms as well, right? Books about our existence and how to live our lives. Movies like Interstellar that suggest that there's other things at work that we can't even see. Paintings like the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, right? Working out our connection between man and the spiritual. And don't forget about the platform we're engaging right now, podcasting. I feel like this platform has just exploded with, with shows that attempt to answer the big three questions. Just take a few minutes and search for podcasts that are similar to Transcend Human. There will be thousands in categories like self-help, psychology, spirituality, religion, life coach, all of those different formats right? Each bringing their answers to the big three questions in a format that they believe will help you connect. Like I said earlier, this quest to find answers is deep within each of us, and we will each find our answers in different ways. For me, the answers came through Christianity, right? Christianity is how I'm able to answer the big three questions. It tells me where I came from, a creator God. It provides me with a purpose, to maintain a relationship with my creator and to love others, others who were created by the same God that I was. And finally, it provides for my future, suggesting that if I choose, I can live forever with my creator. So these answers have seen me through some of the darkest times in my life, through my childhood and my parents separating for a time, through the, the drinking years, dealing with an addiction, through the painful experience of being hurt by leadership at our church, and most recently as I've engaged in the process of deconstruction. But this episode really isn't about the big three questions. It's about the third of the three questions, the final question, the question about our future and the destination that we're headed toward. And in many religious traditions, the destination is really two things two outcomes. There is a heaven and there is a hell. These two options even reach into mythology, like Roman and Greek mythology. Not so much the heaven part, 
but definitely the concept of hell and purgatory, ruled by the god Hades. Number two, hella good. I find it fascinating that this whole idea of hell is so prominent in so many religions. But when you really stop and think about it, why wouldn't it, right? We live on a planet with billions of people. And every single one of those billions of people experience the same thing, which is death. 100% of us die, hopefully due to old age after living a long and fulfilling life. But ultimately, death is a given, and it's coming for all of us. So knowing that and wanting so badly to figure out what happens after we die, it only makes sense that we would think up the two options. Now, go with me here for a second, because as a Christian, I believe that the two options were explained to us long ago by God, through the Bible, through his people, over time. But let's just say that that isn't true, okay? Let's say that that didn't happen. Wouldn't we have logically come to the same conclusion, that there must be at least two options once we die? Why, you ask? Well, because of our behavior, of course. When you look around, it's very plain to see that there are different kinds of people in the world. I'm not talking genders, races, ethnicities, socioeconomic status. I'm talking behavior. And we very loosely throw out words like good and bad. She's a good person. He's a bad person. And I know a lot of that is subjective and a lot of that is cultural. But what I'm suggesting is that if we grew up in a culture without God, religion, and spirituality, don't you think we would have come to a similar conclusion? As we began to think through our mortality, as we looked around and saw that there were kind people and there were people who wanted to kill other people, one would certainly entertain the idea that after death, there had to be two places or two options, right? A place where good people could live free from the threat of death and a place where bad people would go so that they could no longer harm the good people. Is it just me? Here's another interesting thing to think about. Science is a relatively new thing for us, right? Especially the science that suggests that there is nothing past death. The science that says, enjoy it while you're here, because the minute you die, you're gone forever. You understand this way of thinking is very modern. It grew out of Darwin's theories on evolutionary biology. The origin of the species, his masterwork, was published in 1859. That's only 163 years ago. And get this, it wasn't until after 1970, my birth year, that legislation finally removed creation from public school in favor of evolution. In my lifetime. So before this whole creation versus evolution thing started, the idea that there was life after death, the fact that there was an afterlife, was actually the most commonly held belief on earth. Even in most Eastern religions, right? Things like karma, enlightenment, and reincarnation, those are all afterlife beliefs based on the type of person and the type of behavior you had on earth. So to summarize, the whole idea that there is life after death, and even the idea that there will be options based on the type of person you were on earth, shouldn't surprise us because they were the norm, right? Which is interesting to me for so many reasons. But here's just one. As a Christian, I believe in the following chain of events. I believe God created us. I believe Satan rebelled in heaven and was cast out. He was chained to this earth where he eventually convinced Adam and Eve to sin. 
which led to them being removed from the perfect garden that God built for them, which opened their eyes to the truth about sin that it eventually takes your life. But I believe that God, because he loves his kids, I believe he told them all about sin, every little piece of it, how it worked, what it would do to them, what it would do to the world, the end result, and the fact that there was something after it, if they were willing to put their faith in him. To me, this is why almost every religion or spiritual pathway includes some sort of afterlife concept, because God told us there was in the very beginning. Yes, it's been muddled up, it's been changed, it's been misunderstood, but isn't it interesting that for centuries, people believed that there was something after this life? Until Darwin, of course, and the science scientific revolution, which took off in a whole new direction, clearing the slate of anything spiritual and choosing only to believe what is front and center, physical to our world, things that can be measured, quantified, reproduced, which is crazy, right? Things like love, altruism, and hope all fall outside of science, unable to be studied, and yet they still exist. We all believe that love exists, but more on that at another time. So while I don't believe hell is a good thing, I think it's hella good that we understand where it came from and how important it really is. So I've been listening to this whole podcast called The Deconstruction Zone, and episode 11 is called The Mechanics of Deconstruction. But it's an episode that quickly devolves into a full-on conversation about hell. And it probably sparked my interest enough and eventually led to me doing this episode. The hosts kind of discuss what they were taught about hell, their current beliefs about hell, how they've shifted over time, and basically how integral they can be to their faith. Here are just a few of the interesting things that came out of that episode. First, one of the hosts grew up with a belief in predestination. And for her, that was a huge red flag. It was, a, it was something that conflicted with what she had been taught about hell. In other words, why do I even need to know about hell if I'm predestined to go to heaven? They also discussed how hell is a motivating factor often, right? A, a factor that keeps people in church because they're afraid, right? It's the fear factor of being thrown in hell instead of going to heaven. Another thought that came out of this was that maybe we should start viewing hell through the lens of an all-knowing God, right? That this can be very liberating, knowing that we may not fully understand what hell is, but that if God is the truly loving being that we think he is, maybe he knows something about hell that we don't. Let this one boggle your mind. If God is who we believe him to be, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, the creator of all things, then hell in some way has to be part of his plan. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. In other words, if God created everything, then by default, hell was created by God. Now, this truth can hit you in one of two ways. First, you can blame God for hell and use it as a reason for not believing. Or you can believe that if God controls hell, then we don't really need to worry about it because he probably has a good reason for its existence. Danny, one of the hosts, explained that for him, hell is merely separation from God, which is something that we'll touch on a little bit more in the next section. 
But ultimately, their podcast episode isn't the end-all be-all to the hell conversation. But it's a great example of a few things. First, the concept of hell is something that a lot of people wrestle with. This is very important. Number two, people point to the concept of hell as a tipping point, right? One that can actually keep you locked in a religious community out of fear. Or the opposite can happen. It can actually push you away from your religious community because you can't believe that God would allow for such a thing. And then finally, hell isn't something that you can wrap up in a nice little bow. The host simply had a conversation, but they often made statements like, well, I'm not the expert, or it's not like I have all the answers, which just tells you, right? People don't know, but they want to know, right? This is where many people, I think, find themselves very interested in the concept of hell, but having a hard time finding the answer. And that takes us into our final section. Number three, hell no. So let's summarize where we've been. In section one, what the hell, we discussed the big three questions and how big of a deal it is for us to answer them. In section two, hella good, we discussed the fact that the last question, the question about our eternal destination, is where we find the afterlife dilemma, the whole question about hell. So let's take it one step further and talk about four of the most common views of hell within the Christian tradition. Then I'll wrap it up by discussing my view on the whole thing. Now, obviously, there are other religious traditions that have their own views on death, on the afterlife, on eternal punishment, all of those kinds of things. But here are four views that I've seen within Christianity. Number one, science says no. So believe it or not, there is a group in the Christian tradition called Christian science or Christian scientists. And while their belief about hell is a little gray, it does suggest that there is no hell and that everyone is basically on a path toward heaven. The interesting thing to me about this is that the field of science suggests that there is no life, period, after death. Death is the end of the line. And yet the Christian scientist chooses to believe in heaven, but not hell. Interesting. Number two, the Catholic twist. So I'm not going to lie. The Catholic view of hell is always in flux because Catholics believe that Pope is the God on earth. They also believe that the Pope can get word from God that will change entire doctrine. So over the years, popes have had dreams and visions about hell, slightly changing how the church views it. But for the most part, there are two elements to the afterlife. The first is called purgatory. Purgatory is the belief that you go into a holding tank of sorts after you die. And while you're there, people on earth can pray for you. They can give to the church. All things that will help move you from purgatory into heaven. And if that doesn't happen, then the person goes to hell, a place of eternal torment. Number three, eternal torment. So this is really one of the standard beliefs on hell in the Christian tradition. In fact, it might be one of the most popularly accepted within the Protestant tradition. And why is that? Why is it the most popular? This idea that people go to a physical place called hell when they die, if they don't accept Jesus. And in this place called hell, they are tormented for eternity. This belief really came from the Catholic Church. And where did the Catholic Church get it? 
Well, you can probably tell me. Doesn't it sound familiar? Hades, the underworld? The mythological teachings of Roman and Greek mythology. That is where this whole idea of eternal torment came from. Number four, eternal separation. Now, the last view on hell um, is held by a much smaller group of people within the Christian tradition. Um, But the idea is based on a complementary belief about death itself. The belief suggests that death is merely a sleep, not a point in time where you leave your body and go to heaven or hell. The belief is that when you die, you are dead and you are in the grave until Jesus returns. Now, is there evidence for this? Sure, tons of evidence. The Bible describes this numerous times when it refers to death as a sleep, explaining that the dead don't know anything. So following this understanding, the person who chooses not to go to heaven just remains dead in a state of eternal sleep, which is separation from God. This eternal separation isn't painful because remember, the dead don't know anything. But it is eternal, right? Because it's irreversible. This is a permanent death, eternal separation from God. Now, obviously, I spent a little more time explaining eternal separation because this is the path that I've gone down, right? It's the view of hell that I hold on to. For me, there is complete consistency between the Jewish view of hell and the concept of eternal separation. Jews believe in this place called Sheol, which is a dark, deep pit of forgetfulness, as they refer to it. Some Christians have combined that belief of Sheol with the mythological teachings of the underworld, where souls are eternally being tormented. But the more accurate explanation is the way that the Jewish people refer to Sheol as a place where the dead exist, not just bad people, but everyone who passes from this life. That sounds a lot more consistent with death as a sleep to me and the concept of eternal separation. Now, some of you are wondering why I would even bring up the Jewish belief at all. Well, it goes back to another one of my beliefs, which is the string of truth, a string that stretches straight from Adam and Eve's conversations with God through the patriarchs and the prophets, through the Jewish nation, and eventually to Christianity. To me, this is one of the core reasons why I'm still a Christian. Even as I've deconstructed many of the religious and cultural beliefs that I was raised with, if I'm going to believe in God, I have to believe that he passed down his truth from one generation to the next so that there will always be a group of people standing up for it as a witness to the rest of the world. Now, I'm about done, but there is one more thing that I feel is important. Think about the impact that each of these views has on people, not just people who believe them, but when we talk about hell to other people, how that impacts them. What you'll find is that God is very hard to understand in three of the four. So the science view or the scientific view is pretty sketch to begin with, right? And people quickly poke holes in this theory. Wouldn't you find it hard to believe that a dictator who committed genocide and was proud of it until his dying day would be in heaven simply because he was created by God? Not that people who commit terrible acts can't at some point in their life change their way and choose God over their past, 
But there is no evidence that this happens every single time. So people find it very difficult to believe in the scientific view of, well, I shouldn't say scientific, the Christian science view that everyone is on a pathway to heaven. Next, people have a hard time with a God that would torment a person for eternity when they only sinned for, let's say, 60 years. But this is the way it works for both the Catholic view and the most popular Christian view. Both believe in eternal torment. So it doesn't matter that you live for 30 years on this planet. If your sinful behavior wasn't forgiven by God, then for the rest of eternity, you will be in hell being tormented in a physical place. But the fourth explanation, eternal separation, is the only one that seems to fit God's personality, which is the same as every parent's personality, right? Because we were created in the image of God. And that personality is made up of two things, love and justice. As a parent, we love our kids and we would do anything for them, right? At the same time, we set limits and we have punishments for behavior that is outside the box. Similarly, God loves us more than we will ever know, and he works with us for our entire life. He points out the things that could get us into trouble, and he works with us to live lives with purpose and meaning, all the while not forcing us, right? Giving us the freedom of choice in everything. Ultimately, our eternal destination is also our choice. We can choose God as our earthly partner and allow him to save us, or we can refuse that gift and we can choose not to hang out with him after we die. And if we choose the latter, it's the most loving thing God can do. He can allow us to make that choice to cease to exist for all eternity. Very sad, but at the same time, it's love in action because love isn't love if you force it. So if you're interested in more information about this, about eternal separation, um, you can do a little Google search. Um, it's also commonly referred to as annihilationism, extinctionism, or destructionism. So check out those things uh, if you're interested. But let's land the plane. Uh, this week was a bit rough, I understand, right? It's a difficult topic, but like I, um, like I said about the Deconstruction Zone podcast, it's obviously a big topic, right? It's a big topic that has a big impact on all of us because we're all asking the big three questions and that's one of the biggest of the big three. Okay, this week I've got three questions for you. They're very obvious, so I'll just run through them real fast. First, what were you taught about hell? Second, how does that belief about hell impact you today? And how does it impact the relationship you have with your creator? And finally, is the belief you have in hell the end-all, be-all belief? Or, after listening to this episode, do you have more questions, right? Do you think it would be helpful for you to dust off a few books and revisit this whole concept of hell for yourself? Well, that's it, folks. Um, thanks again for joining us. Absolutely love having you on the journey with us. Um, I have no idea where we're headed next week. Um, it'll either be another felt need topic or if I can convince Tammy to start uh, jumping in with me, maybe we'll start on the series about uh, fostering. But like I said, we will see. 
So until next time, everyone, have a great week. And as always, keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. If you're interested in the show notes for this episode, head on over to transcendhuman.com forward slash podcast and navigate to the episode you're looking for. On the website, you'll also find blog posts, podcast series, and other helpful resources to help you navigate the Transcend Human ecosystem. You'll also find links to our social media channels, and as always, if you have questions, feel free to contact us at info at transcendhuman.com. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back here on Monday morning.